Good evening. Let's all stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing one of our mission songs we learned this last year. Let the nations be glad. No rush. <laughs> Let the glory of the Lord forever be our joy. May redemption be the theme of our song. For by grace we have been saved, and by grace we shall proclaim to the corners of the earth that Christ is service together. I ask that you be with our church family, both here and all around the world, wherever they may be. 
doing whatever they might be doing. I pray that those who are struggling and are in that garden of struggle, I pray that you would right now help them, encourage them, lift them up. And help us, Lord, tonight as we gather together to embrace victory and to draw nearer to you. Lord, I pray for each person that's come out tonight that in the service they would find that which ministers to their soul. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Now we're going to sing a couple hymns tonight about heaven shall we gather at the river and then in the sweet by and by. Shall we gather at the river where bright angel feet have trod with its crystal tide forever flowing by the throne of God? Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river, gather with the saints at the river that flows by the Oh. Uh -huh. 
so much be a sermon as much as maybe kind of a lesson, a Bible study per se, as what we're going to do is look at the subject of judgment. This week I was visiting with an individual, we were chatting, we were talking about some biblical principles, and he mentioned to me, he said, well all my friends um, on Facebook and all that kind of stuff kind of attacked me and said, well, you're, you're very judgmental. And, um, and they started beating him up on social media saying that the Bible teaches that we're never supposed to judge. And I, and so we had a chat about that because actually, uh, there's different kinds of judgment when it comes to scripture and learning to use judgment is a positive and good thing. There can be a negative aspect of judging others for the, the little tiny speck in their eye when you have a beam in your own. But the reality is that judgment is a very real part of history, past, present, and future. It's a real part of daily living, isn't it? Um, this last week, Brother John and I were, and Terry came and helped, and Harmon jumped in. And we were closing in the ends of the gable uh, up on this building out back here. And as we were getting our ladder set to go higher and higher, uh, John and I were talking about how the ground was really rough. And we had to use a little judgment, didn't we? We had to judge. Should we really just leave that thing balancing on one leg in a big hole where the other leg is sitting? Nah, maybe not. Maybe, you know, should we go ahead and maybe put the two legs on a couple slick pieces of wood angled down? Well, maybe not. You have to use judgment, don't you? And you use judgment every day. Uh, the other day I was getting ready to pull out on Route 7 and I thought to myself, what has happened to all that COVID quiet on Route 7 out here? It, for, for a couple of years, I could pull up, pull right out. There was nobody going by. Now, shoo, 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 cars like crazy. And I had to use judgment before I pulled out or I'd get what? Hammered. Get hammered. Somebody said hammered, I think. Uh, or hit. That's right. We use judgment in all things. Uh, today, they had on the news that a famous race car driver, I'm not really a, a race car follower, but a famous race car driver was stabbed 
putting gas in his car in California. He was just at a gas station and a man plunged a knife into his chest and the gentleman died right there at the gas pumps. Now see, when that man approached, maybe he did not use good judgment in thinking this gentleman is not safe. Or then again, maybe he didn't even see him come. But we use judgment all the time, don't we? Both for good and sometimes for bad. So tonight I'm going to take us through the scriptures. And I just want you to see that judgment is a very real part of past history. Very real part of our present life. And a very real part of future events. So if you'll look with me to Acts chapter 17. I'm going to read to you just a little quip out of the Apostle Paul preaching upon Mars Hill in Athens. And Athens was the center of philosophy. Mars Hill was the center of proclamation for the philosophers. And here we find the Apostle Paul preaching there on Mars Hill. So look with me, if you would, at Acts 17. I'm first going to read to you verse 22. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Jump down to verses 31 and 32 with me. It says, because he hath appointed a day, God hath appointed a day, the apostle says, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. And who is it that he hath ordained? The Lord Jesus Christ, whereof he hath given him assurance unto all men. So God has given assurance unto all men that who God has ordained, Jesus Christ, to him, he hath given him that time to judge the world. It says, and he that hath raised him from the dead, God raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And look what verse 32 tells us. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. It's very interesting. All the things the apostle Paul had to say. All that he taught on and preached on on Mars Hill. And there's a lot there if you take and just go right down through it. And yet, even when he talks about an ultimate judgment day, nobody really responded, did they? It wasn't until he referenced the resurrection. And it says, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked him. They didn't mock him about their coming a judgment day, did they? Because people know within the being of themselves, within the center of who they are, that there is a God and that we are all judged by that God. So as he preached to all those philosophers, they didn't react until they came to the resurrection. But they sure understood that there is a judgment day for all. Harry Truman said, the only thing men learn from history is that men do not learn from history. That's interesting, isn't it? But when we look at the scriptures, which is a history book, it's the story, his story, of from creation to the end of time, we find judgment. Go with me, if you would, to Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And here we find a very interesting text about angels. And surely, 
God judges the angels as well. Look with me at Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. When we start talking about judgment, we see God judge. God judged Satan, that, that dragon, that devil, and all his angels. God judges them. Adam and Eve certainly were judged, weren't they? Look with me at the uh, book of Genesis, chapter 3. And I'm going to read to you verses 16 down through 19. And here you find that this is a very real part of human history, isn't it? And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, in sorrows shalt thou eat of it, all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So for people to say, well, you know what, Christians shouldn't judge, God doesn't judge, they just don't know history, do they? They're proving Harry Truman to be right because history shows us that God has judged and yes, he will judge. Look with me at Genesis chapter six, verses five through seven, because we live in a day and age much like what we find in this text here. Genesis six, five through seven, it says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his hearts was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But God, as he looked down on humanity and he saw that humanity had become so defiled, so debauched that they can continually thought of nothing but evil. He said, I'm going to destroy them all. I will eliminate all life on earth. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And because of that, you and I are here today. But we cannot deny that absolutely God judged, judged the earth, didn't he? He flooded the entire earth. If you go today and drive out to the Midwest and you go to the Grand Canyon, some of our folks went on the mission trip. John just went down and saw the Grand Canyon. And was the Grand Canyon big? Yeah, big can't even describe the Grand Canyon. It's unbelievable. And yet, there was a great massive flood and the moving of those flooded waters created great canyons and mountaintops where the earth forced up. Yes, God judged mankind and the earth. 
Sodom and Gomorrah. We know the text. We know the story. Because of their evil and debauched ways, God sent down fire and brimstone, didn't he? In Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 19. You come to the New Testament, look with me to Acts chapter 5. And here you find Ananias and Sapphira. These historical events took place because judgment is a part of life. We as people, we as individuals, there are things we get involved in and we do. And all of a sudden we find ourselves judged. Look with me if you would. Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 10. And a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what's he saying took place? They sold something of great value and they brought and they laid that money at the apostles' feet, donating it to the work of God. Look at verse three. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these things, these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. Ananias and Sapphira, they had sold this. And then they made out like they were giving the whole thing to the work of God. And Peter simply says to them, why are you, why would you lie? To, why would you lie? Wasn't it yours? Wasn't it your money? Wasn't it your possession? You didn't have to lie. Nobody told you you had to give any of it. Never mind all of it. But you chose to lie. Not to me, Peter says, but you lied to the Holy Ghost. And then look what takes place in verse 6. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her and said, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door. And shall carry thee out. And she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. It's interesting when we look at things like this, you say to yourself, wow, God struck Ananias and Sapphira down, struck them down for what? Somebody tell me, why did he strike them down? Why did, he, why did God judge Ananias and Sapphira? Anybody know? Because they lied. Was it the amount of money or the possession? No, it was their, their heart. They lied. And not only that, they conspired to lie against the Holy Ghost of God. When we look at these things, judgment is a real part of life. Of looking and saying, that's wrong. Or that's right. But when we see wrong, we, we cast judgment. We pass judgment. Now, do we pass judgment by looking and saying, oh, well, I'm so much better than that. No, you shouldn't do that. 
Because you and I are all sinners, only saved by grace. It is but by the grace of God that there go I in any situation. But you can't turn a blind eye to wrong. So when people say to you, oh, you should not judge. The Bible says you should not judge. You've got to know how to keep that all in balance. Look with me at Acts chapter 12. This is a pretty graphic story of judgment being passed. And this is a historical, not only did it take place in the Bible, but it is written about in secular writings as well. Acts chapter 12, verses 21 on down through 23. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto the people. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory. And he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Secular writings talk about not only this Herod, but his grandfather, who was Herod as well, both died of venereal diseases that brought about the symptoms of their system breaking down and them having worms. It's interesting how that God's, God brings forth judgment. And it is interesting how people want to deny it. They want to ignore it. They want to think that the past can never repeat itself. But the reality is the past does repeat itself. So past judgments are known. We read about them, we understand them, we know about them. But what about present judgment? Is it a reality to understand that the way we live, the things we do, can bring about judgment in our lives? Well, let's look at some scriptures. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 19 says, As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. I want to read that again in Proverbs eleven nineteen. As righteousness tends to life, so he that pursues evil pursues it to his own death. So the scriptures teach us that actually we do experience judgment. We experience judgment of our own deeds. When we pursue those things that are righteous and good, it increases life. It benefits life. But when we pursue evil pursuits, he says, we bring upon ourselves the judgment of death itself. And certainly we see those things take place even in the world we live in today, don't we? We see events that unfold for shortened lives. I just did a funeral the other day of a shortened life because of this very principle. Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So yes, God does judge. And some of that judgment is just the natural things of life. Of the sowing and reaping. 
It's kind of like I gave the illustration of John and I using the ladder to go up higher and higher on the gable ends. If we were so foolish as to try to balance the ladder on one leg to go to the top, then the natural repercussion of that is probably one of us would have gotten hurt. So you have to work to make sure everything is in its right place, don't you? That's how you do things wisely. You use judgment so that you're not judged by your own actions, reaping what you sow. So God teaches us a principle here, doesn't he? I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 16. This is a great text. There's so much insight in this text concerning this principle. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 16, verses 27 down through 30. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and his lips there is as a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A violent man enticeth his neighbor, and leadeth him into the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise froward things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. When you look at this text, you find him talk about those who are going to be judged by their very words. What they say is going to bring about judgment upon them in the natural consequences of what you sow, you go ahead and reap. When you look at verse 27, an ungodly man diggeth up evil. In his lips there is a burning fire. He just reminds us, this person, they're working and getting evil. They, they're working to make evil a part of them. And then he says, with their lips, they spread a fire. You see, it's not enough to be evil yourself. You want others to be evil too. So you spread the flame. You kick the embers to see if you can get others to be burned by evil as well. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separated chief friends. There's a lot to be said in these couple verses about how that, yes, what we sow, we reap. And often we reap the judgment of what it is that we sowed. He says this froward man, he sows strife. And strife is... Strength is not a pleasant thing. There are people who just like chaos and turmoil. But there's not a lot of people who like strife. Most people want a level of harmony and peace in their lives. Not to constantly be stirring the pot. But look at this. It's an interesting thing that he ties in verse 28. This froward man who's striving. He's sowing strife. And then he brings it to a whisper. He says, a whisperer separates chief friends. So when you whisper and you tattletale and you say things about others, it creates that strife that divides friendships, even good friendships, even chief friendships. You know, the Bible teaches us that we should watch our tongues. Whether it be about our, our spouse, our children, our grandchildren. 
whether it be about our church friends, our co-workers, our community, our nation. We should watch our tongue. Because sometimes what we sow in a whisper will reach, reap the judgment of disharmony and hurt. And that's what he's saying is taking place here. He goes into verse 29. He says, a violent man enticeth his neighbor. In other words, when you act violently, somebody else starts getting their, their feathers hackled, don't they? You go ahead and start pushing. You start being violent. And it stirs others to be just a little violent too. A violent man enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him into the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to defies froward things. In other words, he's contemplating and meditating and considering evil and wicked and froward things to do. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. It's not enough to think about it and ponder it and consider it. He talks it through and brings it to pass. It's an interesting thing that the Bible tells us that the very judgment of our behavior often falls upon ourselves. It is that principle of reaping and sowing. Hebrews 10 verses 30 and 31 says, For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. So God does judge. He has certainly judged historically. And we know that in our lives, not only are we judged of God and judged of others, sometimes we reap judgment just in our own behavior. So what about the future? Is judgment really a part of life itself and maybe eternal life as well? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the what? The judgment. So we realize that judgment is a real part of every one of our lives. It's a prophecy because it has not yet come to pass. But God prophesies that every single one of us in this room, it is appointed us once to die. And after that, we will be judged. Now, we know that according to the book of Revelation, uh, you come down to chapter 20 and you look down through, it tells us that he opens the books and every person is judged out of that which they have done. And then ultimately he opens the book of the Lamb's book of life. And we're judged by whether our name is in it or not. If your name is in the Lamb's book of life, you have eternal life. If you've rejected Christ, you have eternal damnation. So yes, judge, judge, judgment is a part of life, past, present, and future. When Paul was preaching on Mars Hill, Acts 17, 31, he says, it hath appointed a day. God has appointed a day. He has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Now, I mentioned when I started that that did, not sh that did not shake or shock 
the philosophers of that day. They understood that there is to be a judgment day. Now, of course, the Athenians, they worshipped all different ideas and all different gods. In fact, the Apostle Paul started out and said, you are too superstitious. You are so overboard. He tells them, he says, I was walking through your streets and I found where you even had a statue to the unknown God in case you missed a God. They absolutely were a spiritually minded people who did not know God. But they were not shocked by the fact that Paul said to them that it is appointed that there will be a day when he will judge the world in righteousness by that man he hath ordained and that man being the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look with me. I referenced here a minute ago Revelation chapter 20, but let's go there. Because we understand that not only is judgment part of that past, and yes, we experience even in the present, but it is really important for us to never forget that all those around us, including us, one day will stand before God. Now here we find in Revelation 20, we really find the judgment of the unsaved. Look at what takes place as he comes down in verses 11 through 15 of Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which, which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire that is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. When we look at this, we must never forget that judgment is a real part of history. It's a real part of the day that we live in, and it is most assuredly a part of the future. But there are those in my conversation with this individual, uh, he was talking about how that his Facebook friends had gone ahead and, and attacked him and said, well, Jesus is love. God is love. God doesn't judge anybody. So I want you to, I kind of want to end it by taking you to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and I'm going to show you verses 22 and 23. Because we do live in a day and an age where people try to make out that God is all love. There's no balance. So I want you to see what he tells us in John chapter 5. Look at verses 22 and 23. It says, For the Father judgeth no man. And if we stopped right there then we could support the thinking of the world we live in today, that God is nothing but love. He's just love, 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 just love. There's, there's no justice. There is no other end to the pendulum. He's just love. But it doesn't stop there. For the Father judgeth no man, 
but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. It's an interesting thing that the Bible tells us, that every knee should bow and every mouth shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible teaches us that absolutely Jesus Christ will be the final judge. He is the Savior. He's the one who's paid for all the sins of all humanity, past, present, and future. And the Father has determined that it will be the Son who casts that final judgment. Every knee shall bend. Every mouth shall confess. And Jesus shall be the final judge. So when people try to say to you, don't judge. Make sure you're able to balance that with scripture. Because we are called to judge. And God does judge. And our behavior, even in our own lives, our behavior is judged. And sometimes brings judgment upon ourselves without even God getting involved. Sometimes our foolishness brings judgment upon ourselves. So it's a real part of life. You can't escape it. It's part of us. Part of our history. Part of the way we live. And yes, part of the future. Don't let the world we live in define what the Bible teaches. You need to go to the scriptures that you might have a balanced understanding. Amen? Amen. Oh, boy, it is quarter till. I feel like I've ripped you off. Man. Well, the deacons and, and trustees are going to talk for a long time tonight, so... I know, but what about all the other people? Well, how about if I let all you officers just get up and chat and use up that next 15 minutes? Sure. <laughs> you got the floor. You already did. <laughs> I'm just joking. I am going to let you go. It's now 13 tails, so we just burnt up two minutes. Are you ready to be dismissed? Father, we do thank you that we can come together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we can, we can have a good time and we can laugh and cut up. But yet at the same time, we can look at very, very serious business. And understand, Lord, that our lives are a life that is expected to live in an honorable way to you. And there is judgment. It has always been and there will be. And we ourselves must learn to wisely judge. To discern. And yes, both reward and punish in our own lives and in those around us. I pray that you help us to use judgment wisely. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.